Welcome to another edition of Global Investment Leaders. Welcome all to another edition of Global Investment Leaders. I am Chaz Burkhart, the CEO of Rosemont. And today I'm very pleased to be joined by Trip Sampson, who is the CEO and patriarch of Landmark Management, a New York City-based multifamily office overseeing about $5 billion for a select number of families. Trip, thank you for joining me and welcome to the podcast. Chaz, it's great to be with you today. I've enjoyed getting to know you over the last bunch of years. And it has been a few years. We'll get into that. Why don't we start with your summary of Landmark as a business and a little bit about your background? Sure. So I began my career as, as a lender uh, in the banking industry. I left banking in the late 80s and um, did a number of private deals and found one family along the way that wanted me to be their trustee. Um, I hadn't thought about doing that in my life, but uh, I agreed to do it. And as I did that, I thought about what I would want if I were in their shoes. And what we came up with at that time in the late 80s is what Landmark evolved into over the years. Well, it's been, I think, an interesting journey kind of building out the business and building out the resources and the employee base. I think you've now got about 30 employees of which the vast uh, number of which are basically serving family office interests, planning, reporting, tax, et cetera. But there's a small, uh, very capable group of, I think, about seven people that serve your investment interests. And so it's interesting kind of how the two of those groups are melded together and how they work together to serve your clients. Yes. Well, I would say that our clients think that we lead with our investment advice along the way. We definitely drive a high quality process for them on that part of their lives. But an equally important part is keeping track of everything for these large multinational and multi-generational families. They need to keep track of everything. Um, usually very complex structures of upwards of 30 to 50 different entities that are actively investing. We keep track of all of that. We do the record keeping, the accounting. Uh, we uh, have an outside auditor audit those, all of their books every year, and we do their tax work as well. So it's a one-stop shop as far as they're concerned. Yeah, it's a very comprehensive business. And as you're pointing out, very different from just an ultra high net worth wealth management company, of which there are many. But um, one of the things that when I think about the, the needs that you're serving and the staff and resources that you employ is just the really long-term, I would guess, perhaps indefinite nature of these families. And as you said earlier, you're trying to serve multi-generational concerns. That's a challenge in and of itself. But it's ironic that trying to think about kind of the long-term nature of serving one generation, their children, and then their grandchildren, et cetera, is somewhat linked to how you think about and how you've thought about the future of Landmark for a long time in terms of its sustainability and how it would one day outlive you 
um, and be able to continue to do the good work that it's done for decades into the future. So why don't we talk a little bit about how your thinking has evolved on the sustainability of Landmark and kind of what's been important to you, your priorities in kind of coming around to the decision that you ultimately made to work with Rosemont. Sure. So um, in everything we do at Landmark, we think about really from the client's perspective, what they need over the long haul. Um, clearly what they need at this point um, is, is for Landmark to continue forever. Uh, if, if you had to ask them, and I've had many conversations with our families along the way um, about succession, um, planning for the future, and, and the one thing they just keep coming back and saying is, is we don't want change. Um, so that has influenced my thinking. Um, more than a decade ago, I involved Focus Consulting Group out of Chicago uh, to help us begin to think about succession planning. At that point, I was in my mid-50s. Um, no near-term plans of going anywhere, but I thought it would be good if we had a consulting firm that knew us well do the people well, um, and did everything that consultants do to, to get to know us. And so over the course of a decade, um, we, uh, they gradually got to know the people. Uh, five years ago, we did our first strategic plan uh, that Focus uh, was definitely a part of. And at that point, I actually led the, the planning effort for internally. Um, a few years ago, a couple of years ago, we, we initiated the second strategic plan. And at that point, uh, we were positioned to have the next generation of the firm lead that effort. So I sat more on the sidelines um, and, and definitely sort of narrowing their focus a little bit to, to more of the succession issues. Uh, but, but definitely, um, they led that effort. So the people side is definitely one part of succession planning. Uh, the other part is having a long-term plan for the equity uh, in our firm. Over the last five years, I have been selling uh, some of our equity that my wife and I own down to the next generation of the firm. But it was clear to me that that was not a whole plan. It was an important part of a plan. And what I was thinking about is trying to figure out a way to stabilize our equity in a more institutional format, um, still with control being in the employee's hands, uh, but, but with, uh, with a stable base. And uh, so a year ago, we hired a banker to help us think about the broad range of opportunities. Um, and Chaz, you and I had met some number of years before that. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was a conversation that, that we were even having as I hired that banker. But I felt it was important for the firm to understand the broad range of options that were out there. And uh, after talking through all of them, we, we came around to the idea that Rosemont would be the best firm for us to work with, um, with the underlying funding coming from Markel um, in, in what we were really trying to, to accomplish. Well, I think what's um, noteworthy about the journey that you and I have taken so far, and we're just at the beginning of it, obviously, is that we did meet about six years ago through Jim Ware and his colleagues at Focus, 
who do great work and who have kind of gotten into the chassis and the engine room with a lot of different firms. And I think what's worth mentioning is that you and I have now met, I don't know, 15, 20, 25 times in person. Yeah. Um, we've been to the office and spent time with most all of your colleagues at least 10 or 15 times. It was a very long, thoughtful courtship of which I think the primary purpose was to get to know each other extremely well. And that's something that you said on many occasions, even four or five years ago, Jazz, if, if we're ever going to do anything together, I want you to know me and my firm extremely well. And I want to know you well. That's not something that most people are prioritizing as they begin to think about their liquidity and the future of their business. Yeah, in fact, uh, my wife and I, as we were thinking about our priorities here, liquidity was not the highest issue. What we were really trying to create is a, is a base uh, that we thought would be sustainable. So knowing the people is everything uh, to us, um, being philosophically aligned, making sure that um, we're not going to be pressed to do things with our business that doesn't make sense for our clients. Press to grow in ways that doesn't make sense for our clients, things, things along those lines, all very important. So you and I talking about all of those things over a number of years, uh, I, it was clear to me that we had real philosophical alignment by the time we got to, to working together. I agree. I think that's how Brad Muck and I felt the more time we spent with you and Allison and your colleagues. But it's also been interesting to, you know, kind of peel back the onion, get to know you and your colleagues much, much better. But at the same time, you know, it is a transaction. It's not a consulting relationship. We were not another focus, even though, you know, you look to my roots, as you know, I was a management consultant um, starting in the late 80s. Uh, and that's basically where kind of all of Rosemont's uh, orientation comes from, um, which is we want to be a helpful sounding board. We don't want to meddle, but you, one will hope, and obviously we're just at the, in the first mile of this marathon, one would hope that there are lots of things that you and I will talk about over time. We already have, uh, ranging from new hires, to technology, to whether or not there's a complementary group at some point that would make sense joining, um, talking a little bit more about the competition. Certainly compensation architecture is something that's, it's always makes sense to talk about uh, going forward. So there's lots of subject matter. And yet what was not often talked about was you know, how, and, and I give credit to, to Berkshire, uh, and Bruce and his colleagues who you worked with, which was we weren't kind of spending a lot of time continually grinding around what exactly was EBITDA and, and what, and are you willing to pay just a little bit more, just a little bit more? I mean, I told you right up front kind of what I thought was as far as we could go. And you reacted very fairly to that. And we both knew that if that wasn't sufficient, that we wouldn't be partners, but you know, we certainly hope that it would. We, we like to think that 
kind of once we get into a reasonable and fair pricing and valuation position, that it is all about figuring out how is Landmark going to be better off? And really, you said it earlier, Trip. how do the clients and how does, does your G2, the partners that are coming up to run the firm uh, over time, how do they think they're going to be better off with Rose One? That is definitely the, the key to all of it. Um, and I spent considerable time talking with uh, the next generation leadership within the firm. Uh, and you and I together actually spent considerable time with the next generation uh, talking about what the future might look like uh, and what Rosemont's involvement would be going forward. And I think we got to this very comfortable uh, zone where, you know, we feel as though we're you are going to be passive in the in the sense of of not pressing us to do things that that don't make sense for our business. Um, you are going to be a permanent investor to us. That's important. It aligns with what we are as a firm um, and what our clients uh, want and need. So, and I think it makes everyone in the firm comfortable. And then, you know, lastly, and, and really importantly, is, is having a relationship with a group of people that you think can be helpful over time. And uh, we definitely have a sense, Jazz, that you and Brad can be helpful to us in the years ahead. You know, as we think about a firm that is going to go decades out into the future, um, you know, having a board of directors, which you will have a role on. Um, and institutionalizing more of what we are as a business at a higher level. It, it's just better for everyone all the way through. Well, I think it's thoughtful. And I think there are a great number of folks who kind of come to these kinds of decisions too late in their career and too late in their lives. And it does sound a bit trite, but to think about these things early and often so that you don't feel forced or, or squeezed into positions that you might not wanted to have been in, but in effect, your hand was dealt for you because you waited so long. Now, in your case, you didn't. You really started thinking about it early and to the point that I think you alluded to earlier, you still have good runway. You're still very vital and active um, in your mid-60s, um, as I am. I mean, I think that's kind of the, the other enjoyable irony is that you're a couple of years older than me, and we kind of view life the same way, which is we love to work. We love our businesses. So let's keep doing it for a long time. But don't let that for a second mask the fact that, you know, we're mortal and things happen. And it's important. I think both the signal um, that you're sending to clients and to colleagues that you're going to deal with these succession and transition issues early over a long runway so that people are comfortable and that they benefit from your wisdom and, um, and leadership for a long period of time, as opposed to kind of the more abrupt exits or the more short-term sales in which things change very quickly. I'm hoping that things don't change quickly at all. <laughs> That's exactly the way I think about it. So I, I uh, thinking about succession planning, in my view, it's, it's uh, you have good outcomes when you anticipate it over a long period of time and manage the process. If you don't do that, the process manages you and 
the income, the, the outcomes are not, not good when, when, uh, when you do it that way. And I think, you know, the other part of doing it over a long period of time is that, you know, it, it becomes a subject that, that everyone is comfortable talking about. Um, you know, I'm comfortable talking about it. Everyone in the next generation of the firm is talking about it. And, you know, as we've put this on the table with our clients, they're happy talking about it. So it's, it, it gets into, even within our multi-generational families, as we move the leadership of Landmark to the next generation, the families are starting to talk about moving the leadership of the families down to the next generation there too. So it, it really, uh, it, it goes hand in hand and it keeps the topic one that is open and honest and it, it, it just makes everything work well that way. It's a very good point because I think for a lot of folks, it's either taboo or it's a little bit of a sign of weakness, yeah. which is ironic. It should be a sign of strength because you are dealing with something that will happen. Inevitable. Unavoidable. In inevitable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I think, you know, the other thing that has really hit Brad in me over the last few years of watching so much activity uh, M&A work in the wealth management world and, and the investment industry overall is just that there is a lot of fanfare made at the uh, announcement of such partnerships and transactions. And I get it. There, there should be. It is exciting to see kind of who is um, forming a relationship with whom. Mm -hmm. But I think what you and I know all too well is that this, you know, this has been maybe six years in the making, but there's, we're not going to really have proof of what we both wanted. And I think deeper satisfaction for some years to come. And it's actually incredibly similar to Markel's point of view, where they measure things in decades, right? Legitimately. Yes. And I think you and I, you know, we, we, we'll be able to probably measure our success in our relationship a, a little uh, quicker than perhaps 10 years or so. But it's, you know, we should really come back and do this in five to 10 years and talk about how it's gone. To me, that's much more interesting. I agree. But I think we've done in everything in my career. I mean, it, to me, if you take the time to build the foundation, um, the years ahead, typically end up in, in the zone of what you hope for. Um, if, if you don't take the time to build the foundation that, that it's harder to generate a consistent outcome. And I think in this, in this, um, transaction, and I will call it a transaction with Rosemont, um, it, it was long in the making. Um, it took place in the context of a very broad thought. Um, and long-term planning for Landmark. Um, I feel as though the foundation is solid and, and I feel as though the relationship you and I have built uh, is one where I have been totally open and honest on literally everything. And I actually, during our courtship, went around looking to try and find racks that I could turn over to show you things that, you know, maybe aren't going as well as I hoped. Um, because... All of that is what creates the, the foundation for the future. And so I'm pretty convinced that in five to 10 years, we're going to be happy with what we started. 
Well, agreed, and I'm excited. Uh, Rosemont is excited because it's fun. We like working with you and your colleagues. We're looking forward to a long career of it. So thank you, Trip, uh, for joining me today. Um, I'm sure I'll see you soon. And um, you know, enjoy the rest of uh, summer, such as it is. Okay, same to you, Chess. I enjoyed it a lot, and I'm sure we'll be talking in the near future. Thanks. Thanks.